Welcome to Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss. And this is Louie Victor. And today we are talking about chefs giving back. And I want to start with possibly the best example of a chef giving back, our jefe. We are going to give you a quote from Jose Andres. I think the best way we can avoid getting overwhelmed and shutting down entirely is to get involved locally in our own community. There are opportunities all around us to support good work. And by starting those conversations, volunteering, getting active, we will see that there is good all around us. All of you, everyone out there has a talent. Don't be shy, use it. And speaking about using his talents, we're here today with a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, someone I've known for many years, Justin Franco. He's the executive chef of banquets at Tropicana Hotel and Casino. Um, he works for Chefs for Kids. He's a judge for ProStart. Former technical sergeant in the U.S. Air Force and, of course, a veteran. Thank you for your service, Justin. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. So this is how we know each other. Justin gave me a chance when no one else would. So as many of you know, I started uh, as a news anchor. For about 10, 11 years, I was a news anchor. And one day I decided, you know what? I don't want to do this crap anymore. I'm going to do something else. So I went to culinary school, and while I was in culinary school, I volunteered at a few different places. One of them was Chefs for Kids. And during that time, I was trying to send out resumes and talk to everybody in network, and nobody would give me a shot anywhere. I mean, for anything. I literally would, was willing to do anything. I was willing not even, to... Not even prep? <laughs> nothing. Oh nothing, nothing. And I think, honestly, I think my resume hurt me more than it helped me. Um, because of my resume, all it had was like news anchor and news reporter jobs. Nobody wanted to take a chance on me. And uh, Justin decided, you know what? This girl deserves a chance. Why did you do that? Um, you know, it was simple. I, I think people looked at your resume and saw a news anchor, but I looked at it and I said, oh, this is someone who can think quickly under pressure, who, you know, can be ready in a moment's notice. Your maturity level was, was unbelievable. Um, so you were definitely someone that we wanted to bring on the team. And it was a hard sell at first. Um, I remember we sent you to another one of the restaurants in the hotel, and the, the chef came back, and he's like, well, why would I want to hire the weather girl? And it's like... <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. And um, people just looked at it all the wrong way. And, um, you know, I just want to say I'm extremely proud of you and your journey. You made us all proud when you left and went to uh, Bazaar Meats, and then you have just killed it over and over. So congratulations on everything you've done. Thank you. You're too nice. This is not about me, though. It's about you. Yeah. <laughs> Turning the tables around real quick. So we're going to talk about Chefs for Kids. Um, you know, it's sad, but not a lot of people in our chef community, in the restaurant community, know about it. But it's a program that's main goal is to alleviate malnutrition and hunger in children through education and awareness. Um, they serve more than 10,000 children a warm breakfast each year. They support Clark County teachers and schools with a Pick It Better snack program that's once a month for a year. And they provide 200 families with a local holiday meal, which is freaking awesome. Um, we're talking about chefs giving back because, uh, you know, it's something like feeding. It just makes so much sense for chefs to be involved with that. Uh, why did you get involved with Chefs for Kids? Um, so I got involved back in high school, back in like 2000, 2001. And then I went in the military in 02, uh, after 9-11. Uh, when I got back in 2006, 
um, volunteering was a real big piece of that whole person concept in the military. So I uh, was looking for opportunities to get involved. I was still in food service, and uh, my old chef boss was involved in the program. I called him up. He's like, yeah, come on down. So I started going as a member of the military and seeing a lot of the, the kids, um, African-American, Hispanic, you know, their, their role models, their male figures, especially in their life. You know, a lot of them were in jail or they were impoverished. So um, going there as a military member, the kids just lit up. And so I started getting more and more military involved. And um, that's how it really started uh, in 06. So 06 to 2012, I was still in uniform. So we would go and we would go 30, 40 people deep. The kids would light up, ask us a million questions. Um, it was really good for the women in uniform because there were teachers who didn't really understand that there's women who serve in uniform. So these kids got a chance to see men and women in uniform, you know, they're heroes, they're real life GI Joes, you know, we all fly tanks and or fly planes and drive tanks and, and all of that. But it was a chance to to really instill that message of nutritional education, making smart choices. Um, and then when I finally uh, got out of the military and became a chef, um, it just carried on. You know, got more and more young cooks and chefs involved. Um, to see the program, to see the kids. Um, I tell people it's food for your soul. Uh, you get to go there and you get to uh, inspire these children and give back you know, your knowledge and your experience and sit down and talk with them. And um, it gives them a chance to interact with you and, and ask all kinds of questions because a lot of them don't know. Yeah, well, a lot of us don't know. And it's great that we're actually talking about this because I feel like, um, especially like cooks on the strip, they don't know about this program. Uh, one thing I see all the time is uh, No Kid Hungry, mm -hmm. Three Square. Right. And uh, I haven't heard of this, and I feel like this is uh, one of the other ways, if not better, to kind of give back and contribute. One of the nice, and No Kid Hungry is an amazing program, um, but one of the nice things about Chefs for Kids is it's all local. Yeah. So the entire program that's run here is going to the local Chefs for Kids program, right? Correct. So everyone on Chefs for Kids, no one's paid. There's no money that gets given to anyone on the board or anyone who helps. I mean, it's a total 501c3 volunteer organization. So we don't have the marketing or the or the reach that Three Square has. I mean, they, they are everywhere. Um, so it's just local chefs paired up with a Nevada, Nevada Cooperative Extension does the educational piece. And um, you know, we just get out there once a month, twice a month sometimes. When I started the program, it was like nine to 10 schools. I mean, we were already over 14, 15 schools um, because the need has grown tremendously. And uh, I know we're still looking for hotels to sponsor breakfast too. So any, any hotels that want to get involved, reach out. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to hook you guys up with it. So I volunteered for it when I was in uh, culinary school. And I can tell you, you know, just like giving back with anything you actually get more than you give <laughs> when you volunteer like this right of course um it just makes you feel good mm -hmm. and you know this is a skill that you've learned and you've honed and now you're getting a chance to use that skill to help other people and the one thing that i will say is it's so hard to watch the children there like it's amazing but it's also so hard to see you know a kid who's super excited about one piece of bacon imagine that my heart's Just, breaking right now yeah, actually. holding a piece of bacon and being like oh my god it's a piece of bacon like they're freaking out over bacon it's it's amazing when you see these kids who've never seen strawberries or fresh fruit or, or you know this is for some of them this might be their only meal of the day um, 
because of their their situation so it is definitely humbling to go there and to interact with them and to see that i long for the day when chester kids is no more like I, I long for the day where we don't have to fight hunger and malnutrition in our schools because we shouldn't be we're the most advanced nation advanced country the the richest and, and here we are like we can't get it together with something as simple as providing our children a healthy school lunch. You know, even when we go to the, so one thing that's that's annoying is when we go do the Chefs for Kids breakfast, you know, we have a sponsor, it's a certain milk company, and then when we're done with serving the breakfast to the kids, we're not allowed to leave that particular milk because the school has a contract with another milk company. So we end up having to take that and we take it to the Salvation Army and I have a, a really good chef friend of mine there that we, we drop off a lot of the food that's left over for Chefs for Kids, but it's just sad that the school can't even accept that and possibly give it to another child later on in the day because it's from a different company. I mean, it's another one of those examples how red tape is just killing us, you know? I mean, it, Jose Andres is another, uh, speaking of Jose Andres again, he's one of those people where people ask him, you know, well, how do you just go to Puerto Rico and feed people? Like, how do you go to some town with a hurricane and just go feed people or an earthquake? He's like, it's simple. We're chefs. We can cook food. We go. You do it. You know, and it's like, that's really the bottom line is there's just got to be simple ways to do this stuff. There's got to be a simple way to feed kids in schools. Right. But, you know, we also live in the land of lawsuits. So there's... <laughs> Amen. Yeah. That's, that really hurts us. Like, anybody who drinks that milk, I mean, that could shut your charity down, right? Of course. So, agreed. And that goes back to restaurants, too, you know, with... Jose Andres Charity, again, World Central Kitchen, right. where they take leftover food that restaurants aren't using and they put it in shelters. And they were somehow able to you know, get around that red tape. But it always kills me every single day, several times a day working in Las Vegas kitchens. And obviously we're not the only city that does it. There's cities across the country that do this. But we throw away a lot. 10 dozen loaves of bread or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's embarrassing and it makes me sick when I actually have to do it. Sometimes I'm like, okay, well this can go to family meal, which, you know, we feed the staff with, right. but 10 dozen loaves of bread can't go to family meal. It goes in the garbage and right. it's every restaurant on the strip, not on the strip. We all do this and it's not on purpose. It's because of the same reason, which is there's that red tape of, well, mm -hmm. you don't want to make someone sick and uh, there's got to be a way around this to feed people. Right. It's insane to me. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, we also want to talk about ProStart. Um, tell us a little bit about ProStart and your involvement in it. It's a high school program to teach kids, you know, that want to be in front of the house or back of the house in restaurants. Oh. Yeah, ProStart's awesome. Um, sponsored by Nevada Restaurant Association. It's, it's um, a national program. And what they do is they try to pair uh, leaders of industry with high school students, uh, mostly juniors and seniors. Um, so... I started it as a competitor. I was just a kid. I used to do Vicka and, and ProStart and, and get involved in those programs. Um, then around 2013, I, I volunteered at a summer camp, and one of the students was like, hey, you know, we need a chef mentor for uh, our high school. It was Silverado High School. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not too sure what's going on, but I'll come check it out. And I, and I went and saw it, and they basically the high school kids were competing in a hot food competition. They had one hour to prepare appetizer, entree, and dessert. Um, and we ended up taking second place that year, which is really cool. And the kids all get scholarship money to further their education. Um, the following year, I went to Cannes Springs High School. Um, and we were 
severe underdogs. You know, they had a culinary program, but there wasn't a lot of money. So we used to make soup or, or make sandwiches and, and wheel a little cart down the hall, sell stuff to the teachers and uh, took those kids and we took second place that year as well, which was awesome because we beat out some of the more, uh, some of the more well-funded high schools. And uh, one, of the, one of the kids I actually ended up hiring at the steakhouse, who you know, George, who's, who's gone on to do really good things at, at the win. Um, so he, he literally, what the program was designed for was to give him a pro start, he got it. He got a chance to compete and based on his skills and his hunger, I brought him in and he you know, worked his tail off and now he's got a family, two kids, making, got a great union job. So he's, he's the perfect example of why programs like that exist. I see your Facebook all the time and you're so proud of their creations. Uh, you post pictures and comments on your wall. What do you get out of doing something like this because I know you're super busy you know it, it comes down to the fact that somebody took the time to mentor and develop me someone took the time to to share their skills and knowledge with me and it would be disgraceful for me not to give back at, at every opportunity that I can um, and I think that's the hallmark of our profession is me holding on to this knowledge and this experience and taking it to the grave with me does nothing it does nothing for, for me, it doesn't do anything for, for anyone else. It's, it's important as chefs to create that next chef behind us. And, and that's something a, a chef that we worked for at Gallagher's had told us. Um, he told me, he said, what kind of chefs will you create? Like, what will you leave in your wake? And, and I look back at so many that are coming up behind me and I'm like, you know what? I've got a great foundation, a great future set for this industry. Justin, who's your chef mentor? Um, so my chef mentor is Chef T.E. Williams. Um, he was actually the first black executive chef in Las Vegas. Um, he retired from the Air Force uh, as a chief mass sergeant and you know he was my culinary arts instructor my junior year at Votec. Um, and he just believed in me. You know, uh, I, a lot of the charities and a lot of the things I do are because I grew up poor. I grew up boiling water on the stove to take a shower in high school. I grew up getting picked on. I, I grew up wondering where my next meal came from. So when I got into culinary, I was like, you know, if I'm always working in a kitchen, I don't think I'll ever be hungry. And that's <laughs> how this career developed. It, it, it didn't develop because I watched a commercial and I was like, ooh, I want to be a chef. It, it was... It wasn't from the Food Network? <laughs> no, 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 none of that existed. I mean, we had like little Bobby Flay cooking in his apartment. You old. Right. That was, you old like those a, were the yeah. old days. Those yeah. were the old days where, so, uh, you know, chefs you know, weren't misrepresented. Yeah, you had Channel 10 uh, with Claude Lambert's cooking at UNLV in that little auditorium. and um, But yeah, it, it, it came down to survival is, right. is why I went into this industry and then I just ran with it. And, uh, you know, Chef Williams was always there for me. Um, when I went into the military, you know, I saw him the day before I left and I'd always keep him updated. And then uh, um, he unfortunately passed away and uh, in 2010 and I went to his funeral here in Vegas and I was one of the first people to get up and speak and it was really, really tough. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I owe him everything. Did you ever ask him why he did it for you? Um, no, I think, I think one of the things that, one of our final conversations that we had um, when I was going in the military, he was like, you're one of the reasons why I made it another year. Because a lot of the students that ended up in the culinary program were kind of washouts from other vocational programs. So we had a very interesting group of, of kids, students, if you will. And uh, I just, I always listened, I always paid attention, I always did what I was supposed to do, and um, there was a handful of us that did that, and he, I just remember him telling me, he was like, you know, he's like, I wanted to retire, but you're one of the, well, you're one of the students that kept me going. That's something that's going to stay with you forever. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. 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 Speaking of uh, stuff that's going to stay with you forever, 
Um, talk a little bit about cooking during war, because I know uh, Louis really interested in this topic. Right. Like, what's that entail? <laughs> cooking in a war zone. Cooking in a war zone is different, for okay. sure. Um, you know, I, I, I went on six deployments uh, throughout my military career, um, and four of those I ended up in the kitchen at those deployed locations. I mean, it's it's the one thing you have to look forward to during the day. Like, you you live your day by those three meals or however many meals you, you get to a day, and, and there's just... The, it's so important for morale. It's so important to have a, a taste of home. Um, my my final deployment was Afghanistan, and I was I was deployed and attached to a Marine Special Forces unit, and I was the only Air Force guy, and I was the the chef, if you will. And uh, I just remember they would they would call ahead, and they'd be like, "Hey, Justin, can you make pizza? Can you make this? Can you can you get some <laughs> ice cream flown in?" And it's and it's amazing how something that we can get here in the uh, the states, uh, we can drive two minutes and get a pizza or get ice cream, but over there those comforts of home are, are scarce, um, especially where I was deployed to. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts and it's, a lot of it's contracted out now, but you know, back in the day, we were the ones taking care of that stuff. We've talked about this many times, Louis, about food as memory. Mm -hmm. And I can just imagine that in that case, more than ever, you really need that food memory to keep you going. You know, it's that idea of a pizza or a meatloaf or something that makes you feel like you're at home that can right. get you through the day and through the month and through the war. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I was attached to a, a unit where the guys were, were, were kicking doors in and, and taking out high-level targets. I mean, and these guys saw things and had to do things that you wouldn't, you know, wish on anyone else. So to be able to come back to the base and, and have a piece of pizza or a taco or steak and lobster, you know, eventually we were able to, to get into those things. Um, it, it helps again kind of you're always going to have those memories but it kind of helps encode them with like a better memory of a, like a good meal or a good time with your friends or, or being able to just sit down and unwind and relax and and push the worries of the day away i think in this case um it's memory too but food equals identity being in a foreign country and you know having the comforts of home i think that helps out a lot too so for sure yeah and in that kitchen, were you ever at a point where you could hear gunfire and things going on in the background while you're cooking, or were you not close enough for that? Well, you know, it was funny. I remember the first few months, you know, I was cooking with an M16 strapped to my back Whoa. because at any time... I would love to see that picture. That uh, <laughs> I think I could track it down somewhere. Um, it, it could happen any time. And, and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you got a lot of local nationals working in your kitchens, a lot of... Um, third country nationals, you don't know who they're paid for, who they're working for. Um, there were plenty of incidences where, you know, someone was attacked or someone was stabbed or shot or, or whatever by someone who was on a work detail or whatever. Um, one of the things for me is my, the three people that I had in my kitchen, um, I treated them like human beings. And, uh, and, I, and I went the extra distance to really learn the language. And, and communicate with them. Um, I, w I never had my guard down, because again, but I always, I've always believed in the human spirit and, and in humanity in general. So I always felt like, you know what, if I treat these guys like human beings, you know, hopefully that I get the same in return. And uh, 
I had, again, I had a great experience with those guys. I mean, we did some amazing meals out of a tiny kitchen. Uh, my my tilt skillet was hooked up to a car battery. Whoa! I, yeah, I got, I, got a, I got electrocuted from that right. one. That was a fun oh. one. Um, you know, my hood system was a, an oscillating fan that we took apart and some sheet metal that we built. Um, you know, the, the we had like a little concrete basin with a hole dug into it, and that was the wash sink and the hand sink and the, oh, the thaw sink. make it work. <laughs> really rough. Yeah, so, but... I, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was it was one of the best experiences of my entire life. So, you know, you talked about bringing pizza there and, and comforts of home, but did you learn how to cook Afghan food and whatever culture that you're in while you were there as well? Of course. So a lot of curries, you know, a lot of beans, rice, you know, a, a lot of the foods, they, ha they have are pretty rudimentary and pretty basic. Um, and I did pick up some tricks along the way. Um, it's funny we talk about the pizza and, and that, that all started um, because they have this Afghani footbread. And it's called Afghani footbread because the guy kinda kinda sits with his feet around like this metal little stove if you will. Uh, <laughs> you know, wood fire puts the little metal thing on top and he shapes the bread with his foot and pulls it with his toes. Yum. And that's how he gets the yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, definitely no health department hey. out there. <laughs> Extra fungus among us. But uh, yeah, the, the pizza came with mushrooms already built into it. But, uh, oh, okay. It, it was nice because it was round, and I remember I seeing that. this flatbread that they would bring back from the village, and I was like, this, I could make a pizza out of this. And uh, you know, you just round up the canned goods and, and some, some produce, and Afghan pizza started, and it was, in my province, it was the best thing there, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that would take if we opened an Afghani. Uh, footbread oh, yeah, stall yeah. here. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I just love that. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for young cooks? I'm sure you do. You've worked yeah. with so many young cooks. We always like to ask this to people who mentor. You know, the biggest thing is you, you have to make a commitment early on to this profession. Um, of all the people that I went through culinary school with, I'm the only one that's a chef. I'm the only one that's stayed with it. You know, people have become kitchen managers or they've dived off into retail or they work for Cox or, or real estate or whatever. But um, I, I think those of us who stay with it, you have to be extremely committed and you have to understand that there's going to be good times and there's going to be bad times. I've, I've fallen off the horse. I've, I've looked in the mirror and I said, you know what, I'm done with this shit I'm going to go do something else. And, uh, <laughs> I did that. And then, and then you just get sucked right in because there's, there's, there's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the love of the people, the love of the food, the love of creating. Uh, there's so many facets to this industry, but to the to the young ones, it, it's not glamorous, <laughs> it's not pretty, um, but if you really put your heart and soul into it, the 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 results are are unbelievable. And and do it for the right reasons. Again, you know, I I, I talk about you, Lorraine, and 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 you see the posts about the the young minds that have come up. That's that's what's left for me is to just continue to develop the next generation, and and you know, seeing those people elevate themselves out of poverty and seeing those people um, able to have families and support those families because they have a skill set and a job and a career, um, there's, there's just no, there's no price tag you can put on that. So to the young ones who are coming up, you know, make sure that you're passionate about it, get in it for the right reasons and get involved in every opportunity because every, every volunteer opportunity I've ever done has, has led me to another one, has introduced me to a new person, has, has networked with a, with a new chef or, you just never know. Um, again, I met you at the Chefs for Kids breakfast and the yeah, Chefs for Kids 5K. Right. And then next thing you know, you're, you're working in my kitchen and, and it was a catapult to an amazing career. So 
And I did that with no intention mm-hmm. of networking, believe it or not. I mean, it would have been a smart thing to do. Right. To mm-hmm. think that way. Yeah. Um, at the time, I just wanted to volunteer. And it did lead to my first kitchen job. And I was trying, you know, the route that everybody tries, which is, you know, hand as many resumes out as possible, look for jobs, you know, at Indeed and Monster and everywhere. I was everywhere Googling jobs. And no one would even see me. Like, they wouldn't even come out of the kitchen to say hi to me. So um, doing the volunteer work was actually what led me to my first job. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obvious reasons to do it are not that exact reason (laughs) but like you said you just never know what's going to come out of situations when you're not expecting it you just get yourself involved as much as you can and you never know what's going to come out of it definitely you know making connections especially in this town Las Vegas everybody knows each other Mm -hmm. and I feel like going the resume route is one thing but actually knowing and having worked with these people that's where you establish your credibility of course yeah and, and there's so many intangibles. I've, I've become a better public speaker because I've, I've had to get up in front of people and, and, and convince them to be a part of our organization. Um, you know, working on PowerPoint presentations and Excel spreadsheets and all those things that you normally would never get a chance to do. Um, it's just a, there's just a lot that goes with it. So I encourage people to volunteer every, every chance you get. You know, help, help develop those young minds and that next generation because um, I know I owe, my, I, I owe it a lot to it to those people who did that for me. And you can get involved with Chefs for Kids. You just go to their website at chefsforkids.org. And they have a link for you where you can contact them. They have a phone number. There are lots of volunteer opportunities, similar to what we were talking about with Justin, which is, one, you can volunteer to actually go to the schools and feed the children, cook for them. Um, There are opportunities in PR and fundraising. going to schools and talking about nutrition. There's just so many opportunities on there. All you have to do is put your name in there. They'll contact you, and you're going to get back a lot more than you're giving. Uh, ProStart, how do people get involved with that? You know, for me, it was just, I literally just walked into the high school, went to the admissions office, and said, hey, do you guys have a culinary program? Yeah, okay, well, give me a visitor's badge. I'm going to go say hi. Um, if, If anyone needs information on ProStart, I know they have a website. Um, again, if they're not comfortable walking into a school or going straight to it, they can, they can contact me and I'll do it. Um, Justin Franco. There's, there's just, um, a lot of schools in need. Um, a lot of the teachers, they're, they're teachers first. They're not chefs first and then teachers, they're teachers and then they're kind of developing their culinary skill set. So to have a professional chef who lives and eats and breathes this every day go in there helps not only the teachers become better at what they do at their craft, but again, it helps develop the students as well. So um, try the ProStart website, contact your local high school, the one that you want to work with, and, and go from there. But again, yeah, I'm always a good resource. Yeah, we'll be posting all these resources on how to get involved with these charities on our blog too. For sure. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move on to what we call on the fly. Yeah! Uh, what it is, is a 60-second piece where we're going to put Justin Franco on the fly, on the hot seat. We're going to ask you questions very quickly, and you have 60 seconds total to answer all the questions. Awesome. This is Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. I mean, let's chefs work on the fly all the time. You can do this, man. Da, da, da. All right. And go. What did you eat last night? Oh, boy. Uh, what did I eat last night? Uh, uh, curry stew. Always at home in the fridge. 
What's that? Always, always at home in the fridge. In the fridge. Yeah, what's in your fridge right now? Oh, what's, oh, what's in the fridge <laughs> oh, wait, right now? what's always. Oh, what's Can't always in the fridge yeah. at home? Uh, bottle of water. Okay. Uh, cat or dog, dog person? Dog. Oh, my goodness. Shiba yes. Inu all day. Oh, my God. Favorite area in our city? I really liked Summerlin. Ew. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, hobby outside the kitchen? Uh, I'm a hardcore PC gamer. Oh, okay. Cook pet peeve? Lying. Okay, that's good. Favorite local Las Vegas restaurant right now? Fo Kim Long. You just wanted to say Fuck that. Long. Best tool in the kitchen. Uh, besides me, uh, probably a chef's knife. <laughs> Good one. Death row meal. What would it be? Your last Short meal. rib. Okay. Most inspiring chef, dead or alive? You know, we've been talked about Jose Andres a lot, and I mean, he's just done so much. He's If he doesn't win the Nobel Peace Prize, I don't know who, who else would deserve it because he's just been at the forefront of our industry and represented it so well. Absolutely. I agree. That's my boss. Bobby, yeah. I'm proud of you. Jefe. Every day. Siempre. <laughs> thank you so much, Justin. Lorraine, thank you. Again, thank you for your service. Louis, yeah. appreciate it. Uh, you're inspiring. You're always going to be my mentor, even though you're my bud now. <laughs> We're friends now, too, and I'm going to volunteer in every possible way I can. We're yeah, get out there and volunteer. Yeah. Louis, tell us how we can keep in touch. You can catch us, Two Sharp Chefs, on our Instagram page at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone, and our email at Two Sharp Chefs at gmail.com. For Louie and Justin and Moy on Sound today, thank you so much. We will see you again next week. Ciao.